Hello and welcome to the Caring for Fano daily podcast. I'm your host Varun Bharadwaj and this is day 22 of the New Zealand lockdown. Over the last week or so we've been diving deep into the underlying causes and remedies of the COVID-19 situation. Yesterday we took a deep dive into critical realism and what it has to offer in terms of laying out a philosophical framework capable of understanding just what is going on with COVID-19, both locally and globally. Today, we take another look at some of the current events unfolding around the world with regards to hospital beds, masks, bailouts, and other matters related to trust. We hear from politicians, uh, economists, also experts in data science, as well as public policy experts. The battle continues, but the data suggests that nationwide we have passed the peak on new cases. These encouraging developments have put us in a very strong position to finalize guidelines for states on reopening the country. At least 35 clinical trials of promising therapies are now underway. So 35 different genius companies. If you look at uh, AIDS, if you look at Ebola, if you look at so many things, they've come up with the answers to so many things. You, you wouldn't have believed it. And uh, we're very honored to be working with them. We have tremendous trust. And like many other things, when trust works, we take it for granted. And we notice only when it goes badly. Well, people have a very different ideology about vaccination. Here's the thing, the more we study irrationality, um, the less we respect people's declared opposition, saying people don't know and don't act in their own best interest. It's a very difficult moral position to put ourselves in, but ignoring this data and saying, oh, people know is also uh, morally very dubious, actually even more morally dubious. How much trust do we have on a day-to-day basis? On governments, on scientists, on institutions? Having been born and brought up in India, I know firsthand what it feels like to live in a low-trust environment. It is one of the unexpected side effects of COVID-19 that it tends to make any society have less trust than it did. In New Zealand, I feel blessed that we can trust our politicians and our business leaders as they have demonstrated their trustworthiness during this crisis and others like it. However, when the decision is really important, I would like there to be more than just trust. Is the speed at which the lockdown was imposed also obviously from the statistics important? I mean, it, it, it probably is, but you know, there are countries that have imposed almost you know, far less lockdown, like Sweden, which so far don't have particularly high fatality rates. Sweden is an outlayer. 
from the perspective of the World Health Organization, what needs to happen? What, what needs the evidence to be in order for these partial liftings to be acceptable? And we've always said that lockdown is really helpful in taking the heat out of an outbreak of COVID. But the most important thing is to be able to interrupt transmission quickly when it is picked up in a community. Not to blow my own trumpet or anything, but I was, within my circle of friends, the first person to go into lockdown mode, three to four weeks before the rest of the country. I did have a few friends reach out to me and tell me that my behavior is causing panic, and that was fear-mongering. I totally accept that my reaction was a bit extreme, However, the point I'm trying to make with regards to trusting the institutions and trusting your own intuition is that at what point do you decide to not trust your own intuition and trust the institutions? Because let's face it, our own personal intuition can be wrong about a lot of things especially things that we don't understand, such as COVID-19. However, when government policy is even more confusing than your own intuition, then where do you turn to? Another small business owner, Tim Miller from Oklahoma, called the program a total lifesaver for his auto repair shops for employees. Stories like these underscore why Congress must replenish the Paycheck Protection Program immediately. The Republicans want to do it. They want to do it immediately. They want to do it now. And the Democrats are stopping it. A short time ago, CDC issued public health guidelines for critical industries. In a few moments, Agricultural Secretary Sonny Perdue will elaborate on how these guidelines apply to our nation's dedicated workers in the food processing profession, because it's a profession. It's incredible what they do. Food processing, and they're keeping our grocery stores full. The shelves are not bare like the shelves that I inherited when we took over the stockpile, the medical stockpile, where the shelves were bare. The cupboard was bare, I say. Tomorrow, I'll also be leading a call with elected officials who will consult with my administration as we work to restore our economy to full speed. And we really think with all of the stimulus and all of the pent-up demand, nobody can take advantage of our farmers. So uh, we have a lot of money that we've taken in from China. We're going to be distributing that money from uh, from Sunny to the farmers. And there's tremendous money over and above that. That money was paid directly into the Treasury of the United States. Uh, this has never happened to China before. They never gave us 10 cents. Now they're paying us billions of dollars, and we appreciate it. So thank you very much, Johnny. Great job. Please, Mike, please. Unfortunately, I get notifications on my phone when Trump delivers something like this. And today, it just so happened that all I saw was there was a notification from YouTube. And then when I clicked on it, I thought it might be from Jeremy Howard or one of the other people who I have subscribed to, 
but when I clicked on when I just did the uh, swipe up on it it took me straight to this video and didn't even give me a chance to select if I want to go there and I wonder if there's hundreds of millions of people like me around the world who somehow received that same notification not that he had anything good to say or any of his associates for that matter I'm only playing it here as a example of bad practice is 22 million facial masks coming into uh, the market. The truth is, because of what the American people have done over the last 30 days, we are slowing the spread. Uh, we are ensuring that every American family would have access to the health care that we want any member of our family to have with the greatest health care professionals in the world. Uh, we're saving lives and we're healing our land. And so we want to thank the American people for all you have done. And tomorrow we'll be presenting a new guidance to the governors of this country about how we build on our progress and reopen America in a safe and responsible way. Thank you, Mr. President. Mr. President, you said the, the evidence suggests that nationwide we have passed the peak on new cases. What's your evidence for that? What are the numbers? Well, there? all we're doing is looking at the numbers. We're looking at our graphs. We're looking at our models. We're getting a great response from Deborah and from Tony and from many of the professionals that are working. We have great professionals working with us. And I think based on that, we're we're doing very well based on that it looks like we're headed absolutely in the right direction but some states are looking at other states and they're saying i can't imagine what they're going through because they're not in that position they're in very good shape i would say that we have 20 states at least but you really have 29 that are in extremely good shape you have others that are getting much better and i think with almost a few exceptions you have every state that is either doing better or on the way to doing better. Yeah, please. It's almost like he cannot hear himself thinking or talking. I am not one to be disrespectful to my elders and to people doing their own little bit for society. However, it seems to me that anybody in the world right now with half a brain that does not see that Trump is not thinking about anybody else but himself when he opens his mouth is definitely flawed to some extent. I don't want to harp on about that but I do want to say people Please do not believe a single word of what comes out of this man's mouth. I think Russia is going to need ventilators having a hard time in Moscow. We're going to help them. We're going to help other countries that need ventilators. We're going to have a lot. You see it with General Motors. You see it with other companies that are producing. We're going to have hundreds of thousands of ventilators, and it's a great thing to have. Yes, in the back. Is anybody freezing? You know, it's very cold out here. So we can leave early, right? Okay, a couple of more. Go ahead, please. President, uh, multiple sources are telling Fox News today that the United States government now has high confidence that while the coronavirus is a naturally occurring virus, it emanated from a virology lab in Wuhan, that because of lack of safety protocols, an intern was infected, who later infected 
friend and then went to the wet market in Wuhan where it began to spread. Does that correspond with what you have heard from Well, I don't want to say that, John, but I will tell you uh, more and more we're hearing the story. And we'll see. When you say multiple sources, now there's a case where you can use the word sources. But uh, we are doing a very thorough examination of this horrible situation that happened. I feel very badly about the World Health Organization, but it's been a tool of China. It's been, as I say, totally China-centric. You take a look at everything that's happened. They've been wrong. I was all for it at the beginning. What do I know? I walked in. I said, World Health Organization, isn't that wonderful? And then you start to see all the mistakes. They didn't want us to close our borders to China. We pay 400 to $500 million a year. China's paying 38 39 and $40 million a year. But there's something going on. There's something going on that's very bad. Now, the $500 million that we save... We'll determine. We're going to make a determination over a little period of time. But we're spending billions of dollars to help people live and all over the world. Where yesterday there was not enough cooperation in the world, today it seems like there is even less. WHO is one of the only international organizations focused on health and for Trump to say he's no longer going to support WHO is basically just another way of turning his back on the world which he has done before for climate change and other global issues. Despite all this um, nonsense from Trump there are a lot of people doing a lot of good work on the ground. Peter Ludwig, David Navarro, Jeremy Howard, and our very own Regan Duff, PhD student at the University of Auckland studying community resilience. In just a moment, I'll be sharing some of their sound bites with you today, and we'll be discussing how we can utilize some of these insights to take our own activities to the next level. Um, now, South Korea is super interesting because they haven't had a lockdown. They're keeping their economy going. They're keeping their society going. Um, so studying them seems like a great idea. And uh, the things they're doing are very different to at least what the U.S. is doing. In South Korea, they have massively invested in tests. Um, in testing and in tests. So, you know, um, the U.S. is good at investing in things and making things, but currently the U.S. is not investing in that. Um, they also in, are investing in masks. Um, everybody is wearing masks in South Korea, and that anybody who's tested with um, the virus is getting quarantined. So, early response. How important is it? So, we're, we're seeing... You know, this low trust environment being created where where very clearly um, media and governments are not always telling the truth. Um, so an example of this is like masks. I mentioned that kind of from an empirical point of view, we can see that countries that are um, using masks widely are doing much better than those that aren't. Correlation is not causation, but as I mentioned at the start of this discussion, um, we are not looking for proof here. We're looking for like, what makes sense, right? And compare the cost of a mask or a bunch of masks to 
through the cost of all the obvious things like, hey, you're saying that we don't need masks, so you should stop buying them so that then doctors can have them because they need masks. It's like, what? You know, and she's kind of mentioning, oh, well, it's because you can't possibly know how to put them on. So come on, you know, it's a five-minute YouTube video showing how to put on a mask. Um, it's it's basically the go a government response where they don't want to do the stuff that's been happening in Southeast Asia, which is they, which is in Southeast Asia, they basically say, okay, the government has decided that this many masks have to be given to hospitals, so they've they've allocated them. And uh, for whatever reason, we're not doing that in the West. On the, the key takeaway uh, here is that we do have data. The politicians don't necessarily have the skills to make sense of that data and the scientists don't necessarily have the freedom to talk about all of the data that they might have access to and there are problems in getting all the data out there to the scientists because either it's being controlled by a government that doesn't want people to think it is mishandling the situation or um, there is no data because uh, there just isn't the kind of testing that is needed uh, because of the resource constraints associated with testing as well. For us at an individual level, at a community level, um, there are plenty of things uh, that we can be doing uh, apart from all of this data crunching and let's hear a few of those Other now. Other people have had similar ideas. Hey, maybe things like the Google business system that tells you when it's busy or not could be kind of reused to try and help do some kind of uh, um, pandemic social distance measurement stuff. Um, this kind of stuff, we've got to be super careful of creating some kind of dystopian surveillance society that we then can't untangle again at the end. But there's, I guess a lot of people are trying to get creative and sometimes working around regulations um, as necessary to, to save lives, which hopefully will turn out to be a good thing, not a bad thing. Um, ventilators is one thing a lot of people are trying to build at the moment, so maybe you can help. Um, at a macro level, governments have put in place stay home orders to try and lessen the impact of the disease. At a meso and micro level, individuals and their communities are required to take responsibility for their own behaviour, which include adhering to social distancing, hand washing, and in some countries, the universal wearing of masks. Assuming that we want to avoid deaths, there is clear evidence both anecdotally and from academic studies that survival rates from respiratory illnesses like COVID-19 have strong positive correlations with the availability of ICU beds. 22 countries have put into effect mandatory universal mask wearing directives. Please note that the Mask for All campaign is based on the premise that COVID-19 appears to be spread even when infected people are asymptomatic. We have a lot of scientific data that even homemade masks can be really significant and can be really important part of fighting coronavirus. We have a successful case study from Czech Republic and in three days we changed the whole society. Now let's do the same globally. Please share this video, share the hashtag masks for all and take a picture of yourself with this hashtag and inspire others. The info website has a lot of information for you 
on how to make masks, we believe we were one of the first people in New Zealand, um, at least publicly, to take a stand on this situation and get that information out there as early as we possibly could have. Um, the other thing to remember is if you feel like you need help, um, there is a lot of support out there. Um, community groups are handing out hand sanitizers as well as people making masks locally and um, obviously there are hygiene factors to consider when making masks for other people um, but you know there are people out there willing to help right now if you are needing help please do reach out and we will get you in and we don't know when we'll have a vaccine all this was said very clearly in the discussions yesterday so what we're saying is get societies defended yes we will have to wear masks yes there will have to be more physical distancing yes we must protect the vulnerable but most importantly we must all learn how to interrupt transmission it's a revolution a life happened when it was discovered that dirty water bore cholera in 1850 or like perhaps 25 years ago we all learned about hiv aids and its relationship with sex we changed and we adapted. We learned how to live with these new realities. We've also got to learn to live with the new reality of life with COVID. I'm interested you mentioned masks there because I thought the WHO's yeah. advice was that we, we, we shouldn't be um, wearing masks. Well, I want to be clear. Of course, there's a world shortage of masks, particularly the good ones. So we've said the first people who need masks are health workers. And we're very worried that there are health workers all over the world having to treat people with COVID without masks. Second, you need people who've got the symptoms of the disease to wear masks, so they're less likely to spread the disease to those who are looking after them or those who are in their homes. Thirdly, people who are in frequent contact with others and can't easily physical distance because of their work. People who are working on cash registers or people who are working in close-up activities like hairdressing. And then for the wider population, we probably won't be able to ensure that everybody quickly can access the good masks, the N95 masks. But then some form of facial protection, I'm sure, is going to become the norm, not least to give people reassurance. But I would say, don't imagine that you can do what you like. This is up to national governments. But I think it will come. We want to get our country back. We want to get our country back. And we're going to do it, and we're going to do it soon. How low the United States case fatality rates are compared to other countries. And this is really due not only to our technology, but how that technology is utilized to save lives. The good equilibria, the one that everybody participates, is very fragile. It's enough for one person to betray the public good, and everything deteriorates. The bad equilibria is very stable. And that's for me is the issue with trust. When we have trust, we can create a good equilibria, but then things can really deteriorate and we all suffer. Is the problem with the mask situation and just in general the lack of cooperation around the world and the distrust between people and institutions, is it because the situation requires more than just trust? Is it that we need systems in place that don't place a high burden on the trust between people? So if, 
for any reason trust breaks we can still function as a global society because we have put those systems in place prior the problem of course is one of dealing with individual choice and national sovereignty what if the systems that we put in place go against our own individual intuition and even in some cases what is in the best interest of one nation in terms of economic growth and the like how do we deal with those situations so now the question is how do we increase trust how do we engineer things in society to increase trust and i'll give you a couple of examples so at lemonade lemonade is a young insurance company it's a system that is based on conflicts of interest the insurance company prefers not to pay than to pay and mistrust terrible idea who would design a system like this let's change it from a two player game to a three player game you get to pick a charity you really love we pay every month we pay lemonade we pay there for the insurance lemonade takes a fixed amount and pays back claims and if there's money left over in the pool for all of us it goes to the charity about 2 weeks after it started the first interesting email comes in and that email says you insured my apartment i told you somebody stole my laptop you paid me turns out turns out i just misplaced my laptop nobody stole it i made a mistake how do i return the money that was the email on that day i called all my friends in all the insurance companies and i asked them how do you deal with such cases they never happened so the second advice about about creating trust is think about the cases where you could show somebody that you really care and show that you prefer their benefit to your benefit and from time to time things are going to get wrong and then we need to fight our own instinct the good news is if we get to have higher trust it is certainly worth it a world of illusion and depression which currently dominates us is actually tacitly underpinned by uh, a world of uh, trust and solidarity the difference between roy basker's view of trust and dan arely's view of trust is that dan arely looks at the situation from a point of view of behavioral economics where people are predictably irrational and roy basker is looking at the view from a more holistic metaphysical um perspective in which he sees that the world is real but the reality of the world is beyond the reaches of individuals even if we conduct experiments like what dan arely has done we cannot find out the underlying causal mechanisms simply through observing the sequences of events in our experiments and so where dan arely is suggesting that to get trust 
We need better systems that create better choices for people. In contrast, Roy Pasca's critical realism tells us to go within and to find that ground of non-duality within us that then brings out that trust and solidarity. Today, we revisited the current affairs of COVID-19. We heard from politicians, scientists, and economists. We revisited some of the theories we've talked about in the last week with a special focus on critical realism. The difference between economics and critical realism in terms of how to restore trust was a key takeaway from our talk today. The key difference between these two approaches is that where behavioral economics looks at market choices, critical realism asks each of us to go within and find solidarity. I'm your host Varun Bharadwaj and I will see you tomorrow. This podcast was brought to you by Caring for Fano.